Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Today we're, um, we're continuing our series called Wiser. And again, I give this background each week and, and that we're studying the book of Proverbs. Matter of fact, the book of Proverbs in the Bible is given, was written, God used a man to write this who was the wisest man that ever lived. His name was Solomon. Solomon was actually the son of King David and King David was actually the, the, the David and Goliath story in the Bible. That was the David we're talking about. He grew up to be king. And so we're learning these principles from him. And so I want to ask you, you know, we're reading through the book of Proverbs, and I hope that you will do that. And you say, okay, what chapter are we on? Well, today is the 14th, and so we're on the 14th chapter. I did get the day right. It is the 14th, right? 15th. See, I was just saying if you were paying attention, that's all. 15th, like I said, 15th. If you're 14th, you're a day behind like me. So uh, anyways, so we're on chapter 15 uh, today. And so you can start there. And it, listen, a chapter is only like three minutes it takes you to read uh, that chapter. And so today as we, we uh, continue in this, I just want to ask anybody, do you feel like that life is just super busy? Does anybody feel that way besides me? It's just like super busy. Okay, there's about a third of us. The rest of you can go home. <laughs> I think we all feel that way to some degree. And, and, and maybe, maybe you feel like your calendar, maybe it's just so full. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe this, if this is a picture of your calendar, it looked like that. <laughs> help. <laughs> just help me. Or maybe, maybe, maybe your refrigerator looks like this. Maybe this is what it looks like. <laughs> Posties everywhere. And today we want to talk about surviving my schedule. And, and listen, don't write me off yet. You've got to hang in here with me because... What the goal of today is to reduce stress in your life. That's the goal. It's learning these principles. Now, the reason I share this with you, uh, one of the reasons that this is so important to us, is that we pray over the cards every week, the connection cards that you're filling out, and then our kids fill them out as well, and they're in kids' church. And so um, I read one of those this week. I was praying over one, and one of these cards said this. It says, please pray for my mom, that she gets the job that she wants so that we can spend more time together because we don't get to talk much. Now, we've all been there. I mean, every one of us have been there. And so what we want to do is we want to try to eliminate that from being an issue in our lives. And so today we have to begin to look and say, God, you have to have a plan for this, okay? And so we're going to look into the book of Proverbs. So I'd like to share three things with you today that I think will help you that I have proven in my life that have helped me through seasons in my life. And the first one, if you want to go ahead and write this down, the first thing that will help you uh, is uh, surviving your schedule is prioritizing, uh, or prioritizing my priorities. Prioritizing my priorities. We have to prioritize our priorities. Proverbs 17, look what it says. In Proverbs 17, 24, it says, an intelligent person 
aims at wise what? Wise actions, okay? Now look what he says. But a fool starts off in many directions. I don't know about you, but when I, when I read that verse, I was like, okay. It, it sort of reminded me of the, of the circus act, you know, where the clowns come out and they start, they'll put a little stick up and they start trying to spin a plate on that stick, you know, and then they'll go to the next one, put a plate on it and spin and try, and they'll go back and spin this plate, spin that one, put another plate up, and they'll just try to spin as many plates as they can without them falling. And sometimes when we go many directions, we're trying to spin plates. And so my question to you today, right off the bat, what plates are you spinning in your life that are not important? Begin to think about that. What, what is this that you're doing that really is not that important, that's keeping you so busy? And so he goes on to say this in Proverbs 12 and 11, he says this. Let's, this is short, so let's just read the whole verse together. You ready? Come on, you ready? It is stupid to waste time on useless projects. Would you agree with that? Things that really don't matter, it's crazy to waste time on that. And many of us are stressed out because we don't have enough time, but yet a survey is done, and like the average person spends about an hour to two hours on social media every day. It's amazing, you know, and now it's football season, and, and, and listen, I like football like everybody else, but, you know, uh, some, somebody was telling me that, you know, they said that uh, uh, their spouse said, hey, you know what, uh, I'm just... It's football season, so I'll see you in January. Man, you've you got to be careful with that. Was, that kind of stuff will stress you out. Now, here's what, I've, here's what I've discovered. Either you can live your life by priorities, or you're going to live your life by pressure. Did you hear that? Either by priorities or by pressure. What I mean by that is this. If you don't have your priorities down, you're going to let other people tell you what to do constantly, and other people are always glad to tell you what God's will is for your life. Everybody's got a plan for your life. And so you have to choose, okay, am I going to set my priorities, or am I going to live by the pressure of everybody else? And the reason this is so personal to me, because, you know, when I started pastoring this church back when we rode dinosaurs, <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time ago, I was 26 years old and I was trying to please everybody else. And so I found myself doing all the things that, that were not the most important. And the most important thing that I have in my job as the pastor of this church is to prepare for Sunday morning. Because I've got to give you something that you can take with you on Monday morning. Amen? And so, that's my, so what I found myself doing was, is that I would do all the unimportant, everything that everybody else wanted me to do, and then I would be up late on Saturday night, up until way in the morning, finishing up a sermon, okay? Those poor people, what kind of quality sermon was that, you know? Like I'm wore out, tired, I've been fighting with my kids and wife all weekend because I'm, I'm stressed out that the sermon's not done. See what I'm talking about? Matter of fact... Uh, most pastors, are, their, their family hates a weekend because their sermon's not done, and so you know it's coming. You know what I'm saying? You, got, you ever had that thing on your plate? You know it's coming. You've got to do it. You keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and then it's just stressful the longer you put it off. And so most pastors have done that, and I found myself in that, and I called a, a pastor friend of mine who's a mentor one time, and I said, hey, I was bragging on myself. I was like, you know what, I had this going on this week, and man, I got called out, and I had to go do this, and I was so proud of myself, and I said, you know, I didn't get the sermon done until 2 a.m. Sunday morning, and I thought he was going to go, man, you're a hard worker, Jeff. He didn't. He called me Dawes. He said, Dawes, 
I guess you'll learn to get that sermon done earlier, won't you? I thought, I guess I will. <laughs> and so, so that, was, that changed my life. And, uh, and so I had to get my priorities right. And so now I want you to know that, listen, tomorrow morning I start preparing again for next week. And I do that. All, and my mornings are prioritized. And so that takes me to the next thing. Of, like I said, there's three things to keep the main thing the main thing. And I'd like to share them with you. The first one is this, is to identify my priorities. We write that down, identify my priorities. What are the, my priorities? And you have to really, okay, you got to ask yourself, what are the things that i got to get done? What has to get done? And make sure that you're getting those things done. Not what, what you know, well, it's not, you know, if I don't have to get that done, then it's okay. No, what has to get done? So, so for me in my life, the main thing that i got to get done is the pastor of your church, as I said, is, is preparing the message. And so how can I keep that from being so stressful every weekend? I'll tell you how to do it, is I've learned that I can't prepare on Saturday night. i got to prepare on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. i got to spend four days preparing. And what I do is I bring the staff in here on Thursday, and I will share what I'm sharing with you right now. I'll stand up here and preach this message just like you're sitting out here, just like it's a full house. Just like that. And they're sitting out there, and I'm giving it to them. I'm sharing with them. And you know what? That does two things. One, it makes me better because if I say something really stupid, they tell me that's really stupid. So if you think the sermons are bad now, you should come on Thursday before they say, hey, you know. And there's been times I've said stuff. They said, listen, Jeff, if you say that, uh, Rhonda told me one time, she was a part of that. And she said, listen, if you say that, every woman's going to get up and walk out of here. I can't remember what it was, but it, it wasn't good. So I'm like, wow, I'm, oh, I'd never even thought of it that way. So what I, what I had to do was I had to set myself a deadline before the deadline. See what I'm talking about? So Thursday, Thursday's the deadline for me. It's got to be done by Thursday. And if I can set the deadline before the deadline and meet that deadline, then guess what? I can enjoy the weekend with my family. I'm not so stressed out. That's why I can come here so chill on Sundays, you know? I'm just chilled out. Why? Because I've already done it. I've already preached the message to them. On uh, Saturday night, I'll pull it back out, look over it, say, yeah, I hope that's as good as it sounds. And then, then on Sunday, I pray, you know, pray over it again. It's Sunday morning, but about 6 a.m., I'm going over it again. And by the time I walk in here, I'm like, man, you know what? This is going to be really good or really bad. I don't know. Well, let's go for it, you know? But I got it down, so... And what I'm telling you, set your, set your priorities, uh, set your schedule ahead of time. Uh, and then the next one is place, place your priorities on a calendar. Okay, this is real practical. Place your priorities on a calendar. I want to show you something that will save you stress. Okay, most of us have a smartphone, all right? What I want to tell you that I've learned to do that helps me so much is that when something comes my way that I have to do, I go ahead immediately, and there's a calendar on my phone that's attached to the calendar in my office here. I have just one calendar, by the way. But I, as soon as something comes up that I have to do, I don't write it down and put it on the task list and say, well, I need to get this done. No, no. I have to say immediately, when am I going to do that? When am I going to do it? So I have to immediately go right to my calendar and say, okay, I'm going to do that Wednesday at 3 o'clock. I have to do it right then. I can't, if I write it on the task list, I'll still procrastinate with the task list. So, so forget the task list. Go ahead and go right to your calendar and say, I'm going to do this now. 
On this day, I'm going to put it right there. It takes you two minutes to put it on your calendar, and you have it already set. Listen, don't carry around stuff in your mind that you can put on your calendar. The reason that some of you think that you're struggling with Alzheimer's is because that you've put too much on your mind. Everybody think, you, let's think it about 30 years. Oh, I think I got Alzheimer's. I can't remember nothing. No, you're putting too much in there. Listen, never keep something in your mind that you can keep on your calendar. It takes the stress down. Your stress goes down. And so, anyway, so I want you to put it on your calendar. I cannot overemphasize that immediately. If you don't get anything else I say today and you do that, your stress level is going to go way down. Quit trying to remember everything. You can't tie but so many rubber bands around your finger before your fingers fall off. Put it on your calendar, all right? The next one is eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. I, I heard this a couple years ago, and I was so blown away by this statement. Someone said that they did a study, and then in an eight-hour workday, the average person only works two hours because of distractions. Because of, uh, because of text message dingers going off, because of email little ringers going off, and because of all the people interrupting phone calls and all that, because of all the distractions, the average person only works two hours in a work day. Here's the problem with that. Because that is true, people are not working at work anymore, they're working at home. And so I say this, if we can learn to work at work, then we don't have to work as much at home. And that's why the kids, like when we come home, our kids, we can't even spend time with our families because we got so much work to do at home. And so what I'm telling you, listen, as a man who's been down this road, who is, who is a procrastinator of procrastinators, is that you have to learn to put the thing down. You have to learn to turn to all. Listen, if you put silence on your, on your little email and your, and your phone and all that for just a period of time, I'm not talking about all day because you've you got to answer emails and stuff, but I can tell you if, if somebody has an emergency, they will not die if you don't answer your phone. If you don't return a text message in the next two minutes, I guarantee you they will not die. Matter of fact, you should put this on your voicemail. Hello, this is Jeff Dawes. If this is an emergency, would you please hang up and dial 911? <laughs> now, don't put Jeff Dawes on your voicemail, but... I taught, this, I taught this several years ago. There's a lady who's a pharmacist in our church, and, and she has a cell name. If you call her cell, that's exactly what she says. She said, I took you up on that. If it's an emergency, call 911. So I'm telling you, listen, here's how you do it. In order for me to prepare, like, and you have to figure this out in your life, I have to put that thing on, do not disturb, set it face down like this, and then I have to get done what I got to get done. Now, if it's your business, hello, and people are calling you, you got to have that on, but you got to figure out, okay, what other distractions can I eliminate? I'm telling you, 90% of the people in this room could set their phone down for two hours and they could get all their work done and when they went home, they could have a hallelujah time. Work at work, not at home. Okay. Now listen, that didn't cost you anything and that's going to get you a raise right there. That's right. Save some marriages right there. That's it. Okay, so here's the, here's the, here's the, here it is. On the next step, look what it says. I will do my best to prioritize my priorities. Would you just check that box so we can pray for you? Because the number one thing the devil is going to do is make you busy. If he can keep you busy, he can keep you stressed out. He can, you know, he can keep uh, friction in your family. He can keep friction in your, in your work. He can keep friction everywhere. Busyness is the devil's tool to destroy your life. 
And so we have to figure that out. Okay, number two is this. Number two is change up your attitude. Change up your attitude. Now look what the Bible says. Okay, the wisest man who ever lived, look what he says. He says, being cheerful keeps you what? Okay, I want us to edit this verse, all right? I want us to make it personal. So where it says you, I want you to write me above that. You ready? And we're going to read it together in a personal uh, phrase. So you ready? Let's read it together. Being cheerful keeps me... Come on, say that a little louder. Let's say it again. You ready? Come on. Being cheerful keeps me healthy. So listen, hey, you don't have to take as much vitamins if you just get a little better attitude. You can... Geritol will not do what a good attitude would do. I'm just telling you, man, that this is it. Look what he goes on to say this. It is slow death to being gloomy all the time. Amen and amen and amen. And listen, I read this stat this week. It says, like talking about being productive, all the work that you do, it says this. All the money that you will ever make is this. All the money that you will make will depend on only 12% of your knowledge. But the rest of it will be 88% will depend on your attitude and how you interact with people. In other words, you can be the smartest person who ever lived in the world, and if you've got a stinking rotten attitude, you're going nowhere. We have to learn, we have to choose a better attitude, right? We have to choose that. Now, look, there's two things that I would like to say. There's two things to change my attitude, and I want to give them to you. Two things, let's read, look at it. First, first one is this, is choose good words. Choose good words. Look at Proverbs 15 and 4. Here we go. Here we go. Watch this. Here we go. Gentle words causes life and what? There we go. Boom. There it is. There's two statements about health already. There it is. And then he goes on and finishes it. Let's read what's underlined out. Listen, let's read this with a little attitude like Z formation. Ready? Attitude. You ready? Come on. Let's read this. You ready? Come on. I want, I want, you, I want that attitude. I want a little growl. You know what I'm saying? You ready? Come on. Here we go. Let's read together. Ready? Griping brings discouragement. Griping brings discouragement. You agree with that? Okay. Okay. Watch it. Here we go. I got something for you. Ready? I got something for you. This one you're going to pass on to your friends right here. You ready? Complaining is like bad breath. You don't recognize it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. Oh, yes, he did. Aren't you glad I don't prepare on Saturday night? I'll say it again because some of you are going, oh, I got to tell somebody that. Here we go. Complaining is like bad breath. You don't recognize it until it comes out of somebody else's mouth. So maybe somebody in this room right now needs a dentine. Because before you walked in here, you were letting somebody have it, all right? I don't know. But I'm just saying, so we have to really pay attention to that. Um, Now, let me just say this to you. Our words are like the steering wheel in our life. Track with me now. Our words are like the steering wheel in our life. Okay, let me talk to everybody. Watch this. If you are under the age of 20, listen to me. Quit saying how tired you are and get out of the bed. 
you talking to yourself, listen, you are talking to yourself into being so tired and, and the alarm's going off, you're hitting the snooze button and you're being late to work, late to school, it's causing you all kinds of stress. Listen, quit telling yourself that. Listen, you don't even know what tired is at 20. You want to know what tired is? Look at this. Now, listen, hold on now. If you're under the age of 20, don't get mad at me right now because I'm fixing to go to the next age group. Oh, yeah, your time's coming. <laughs> if you are, listen, if you are a young, a young couple or middle-aged, let me talk to you. Quit telling everybody how bad your husband is or your wife is. I have never known a marriage to heal as long as everybody was telling somebody else how bad the spouse was. You can never overcompensate your words. Listen, you can say, when you're, when you're talking bad about your spouse, when you're talking bad about your children, when you're talking bad about your home, when you're talking bad about the car you're driving, when you're talking bad about everything in your life, you will never, ever get better. Your words are the steering wheel to your life. And some of you are driving your life right into the ditch, baby. And you, never, you say, oh, I just don't ever feel good. I just don't feel like there's love in our family. No, 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 there's not love because your tongue is killing it. Okay, just to make sure I offend everybody. Grandparents. Quit telling us how old you are. Oh, I would do that. I'm too old, though. I'm too old. I'm too old. Listen, if you don't, you can feel young, but you're talking to yourself into feeling horrible. If you keep telling yourself how bad you feel, you're going to feel bad. Charles Stanley, Charles Stanley, I listen to him like I'm on my way to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. He's on 93.3. And I'm listening, and this man is almost 90 years old. And he said, listen, never get up and say I'm old. If that 90-year-old man says never say I'm old, I'm not saying I'm old. You're not going to, you want to feel young again when well, you keep telling yourself how bad you've got it and how bad you feel, you're never going to feel good. Your words are the steering wheel to your life. Quit running yourself in the ditch. Quit running your relationships in the ditch and quit running your career in the ditch. Here we go. I'm going to give you another one. You ready for this? It's coming on the screen. Here we go. Let's read it out loud. Come on. You ready? Here we go. The quality of my words will be the quality of my life. Shoo. I'd like to take the credit for that, but this man, Proverbs, and Solomon wrote that. Your words have the power of life and death, is what he says. Listen, when God got ready to create the world, he didn't touch one thing. He just spoke it. He said, son, be the son. Your waters were sin. He, he just spoke it. Why? Because our words have that kind of power. And some of you are killing yourselves with what's coming out of your mouth. We talked a lot about this last week, so you might want to go check that out. Now, next one is this. Ready? Come on. Be grateful. Be grateful. I know this is better than you thought it was going to be. I know it is. Some of you are shocked right now. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. It gets better. Hold on. Be grateful. One of the greatest things that causes stress in our lives is this thing we do. It's called comparing. Comparing. Listen to this. Comparing is wearing. It will wear you down. 
When you say, you know what, well, I wish, I wish we had a house like them. I wish my kids were like them. You know, I wish my spouse was like them. I wish I had a job like them. When you compare, you just wear yourself down. Stop comparing. Stop comparing. When you stop comparing yourself to everybody else, you'll get better. Be thankful for what you have. Be grateful for what you have. Look at the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Let's, give, let's uh, read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're to have a thankful heart. We're to have a thankful heart. On the screen, look, it's coming up. Let's read this together. You ready? A thankful person is a... Okay, so if I were to poll this room and say, how many people want to be happy? I guarantee you every hand would go up. You ask every college student, what do you want in life when you get out of college? Well, I just want to be happy. You ask every parent, what do you want for your kid? Well, I just want to be happy. You ask every couple that's getting married, what do you hope to get out of this marriage? Well, we just want to be happy. You ask everybody that's going on a new job, what do you want? Well, I just want to be happy. Well, I want to tell you something. Here it is, listen. You can go to McDonald's and get you a happy meal, but I want to give you a happy pill. And that is be thankful. If you want, listen, if you want your kids to be happy, then you teach them to be thankful. You listen, that means this, in the morning when you get up and you go get in your car that you think is outdated and you think you need a new one and maybe you're a little ashamed of it. Listen, you get in that car with those kids and you say, we are thankful to God Almighty that we got a way to go from here to there. We thank God for the house that we live in. When it rains, we don't get wet. We thank God for the clothes on our back because we haven't, God provided that. We thank God we sit down at this table. There's food to go in our stomach. We are thankful people. And thankful people are happy. They're happy. I don't know if I convinced some of you yet or not, but you see, what I've learned is this. It's hard to be grateful and hateful at the same time. Ron and I learn, as I say this all the time, you're going to get, you may get tired of me saying, but I'm never going to stop saying it because I hope you'll start doing it. Is that, you know, a couple years ago, about five years ago, I started, we started praying for each other at night. That means that I, you know, I got brave and I reached over and I took her hand. And I said, you mind if I say a prayer for you? And she said, no, and I, I, I don't mind that. She didn't say, no, you can't. She said, no, I don't mind that. And I started saying a prayer of her. You know what the prayer become? It come this, it's like, God, it wasn't for her. It was thankfulness for her. And it was like, God, thank you for Rhonda. She's a very good wife. She's a great person to live this life with. Thank you. Thank you, God, that uh, she's a good mother. Thank you that she's a good leader in our church. Thank you that she's just a great person. And then, you know, and I pray for uh, our children and other things. And then, and then, you know what? Then it's her turn, and she's welcome to say if she wants to. But every time she does, and she just begins to to start her prayer that way. God, thank you for Jeff. Thank you, he's so cool. <laughs> I made that one up, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to confess it already. But when I, what I noticed is, listen, when you're constantly, every day, when you got a plan, when you got it on your calendar, 
It's every day. It's on, every day. We don't write it on everything. It's written down in our minds. Every night when we lay down, it's that prayer, baby. Why? Because every night we got to say good stuff about each other. And when you're saying good stuff about each other, you ain't got time to say bad stuff about each other. And guess what? All those discussions. There was anger. You know, those, those things that went down. Because when you're grateful, it's hard to be hateful. The quality of my words will determine the quality of my marriage. The quality of my words will determine the quality of my relationship with my children. The quality of my words will determine how school turns out. The quality of my words will deter determine how work turns out. The quality of your words will determine the quality of your life. So I just got a question for you. How's your attitude? Do you need a checkup from the neck up? You're guilty of stinking thinking. I'm just anointed to be Dr. Seuss today. Aren't you glad I don't have, aren't you glad my time runs out? <laughs> okay, so I have a next step for you on your connection card. It says this. It says, I will do my best to choose a good attitude. Now listen, that is the key. You got to choose it. That's the key. Number three is this, look up to God. Look up to God. Proverbs 10, 27, it says this, reverence for God adds hours to what? You want to get more done today, you just put God first in it. You'll bless it. So how can the wicked expect a long, what kind of life? Good life. See, you got the option for the good life. You got, matter of fact, you got a life that people want. It's because of God. Now, I want you to go back and circle that word reverence, because what does that mean, reverence, you know? And what I want to tell you what reverence means, it means taking God seriously. The problem in this room today is that all of us struggle with taking ourselves way too seriously and taking God not seriously enough. You see, because we try to become our all in all. We try to answer all our issues. We try to do it all. And many of us in here are trying to control things that are out of our control. And then when you do that, you're playing God. And let me just give you an announcement today. You are not God and neither am I. We have to take God very seriously. You know what stress is? Stress is a warning light that your eyes have shifted off God, off of God onto something else. That's what it is. Stress is a warning light. And so that's why it's so important to remember who God is. And then it takes pressure off. You see, when I look up to God, when I look up to God, it's amazing how He changes my outlook. If I'll just keep looking up to Him, He changes my outlook. Matter of fact, look at the fourth commandment in the Bible of the Ten Commandments. Look what it says. What's that first word in Exodus 20 and 8? Would you read it out loud with me? Ready? Come on, read. Let's say it again. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What was God saying? God was saying the reason I'm putting this there is because you need a reminder that I'm God and you're not. And by, by, uh, by remembering the Sabbath day, by remembering that day, it's like on the calendar kind of deal. Every comes every week just to remind you that he's God and you're not. Jesus picked this up. Look at Mark 2 and 27. Jesus said, people were not made for the good of the what? 
Okay, let's read what's underlined because this is for you, right? It's for your neighbors, for you. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? The Sabbath was made for the good of the people. How about that? When God finished everything else, he said, okay, he created the Sabbath. And he said, okay, I got to do this because you got to know it's good for you. Because you're going to get caught up in working six days and you're going to forget that I'm God and because you're going to get caught up working. So you got to take some time off just to remember that I'm God and you're not. So what he's saying is that church is very important in your life. Because if nothing else, church reminds you that he's God and you're not and that you are to reverence him. You're to focus on him. You're to take him seriously. It's remembering God. Jesus really took this to another level right before he died. Before he died on the cross for our sins, we all know about that. But what you may not know is that he had a meal with his disciples before that. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you some items here in this meal. And I want you to do this. I want you to do it. I'm going to give you these items. And the reason I'm going to give you these items is because in a few days, you're going to, you, you'll forget everything that's happened. But I'm going to give you some items so that you can remember me. Look what he says. Look what the Bible says. It's called communion. Jesus met with them before he died and said he gave them these items. He gave them bread and wine. He said, I'm going to give you these items. And when you do this, you're going to remember me. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 11. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took what? Took bread. There he goes. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for who? For you, remember that, it's for you, you got to remember that. Now, would you just read out loud with me what's underlined, you ready? Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. You're going to take this bread and eat, and then he goes on and says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this wherever you drink it. You ready? Let's read what's underlined, you ready? In remembrance of me. Jesus was saying this, that you're going to forget. You're going to forget. You're going to forget. You're going to forget that there's a God. So we got to have a Sabbath day. A Sabbath day reminds you that God is God. But what you'll forget too is you're going to forget that I died on the cross for you. You're going to forget that I, that I took the brunt of your sin. You'll forget that there's hope in me. You'll forget. And so Jesus said, when you take this wafer, when you take it, you remember it was my body that was beaten for you. I was beaten to a bloody pulp for you. And Jesus said, just remember, just remember it's me. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me. When you remember me, you'll be free. Remember me. And you'll be free. Remember me. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's S-C-C view.net and click the give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.